What's going on, guys? You're listening to 30 Minute Combo. Today we got a very special guest. He's the tour DJ of A Boogie and DJ of the Wendy Show, uh, the very talented DJ Omanaya. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I just wanted to uh, I wanted to start off with asking you, take it back to the beginning, man. Like, how did you get into being a DJ in the first place? Uh, started DJing um, at a young age. A, a kid I used to hang out with and play baseball with was actually a DJ, and he was older than me. And uh, he introduced me to DJing. And um, ever since then, you know, I just picked it up, and I, I had to, you know, to itch for it. Yeah, man. So how... How does that little kid that learns how to DJ, how does he get noticed by uh, by someone like A Boogie or Wendy? Did did you notice them or did they notice you? Like, how did that process happen? Um. Well, as far as the whole, uh, like, working with Wendy and um, A Boogie, that came through, like, references over the years, uh, working with different people. I've worked with celebrities before them, so it was kind of like just being in the industry and being around the right people and, uh, you know, having a good team. Yeah, how how did you get like into the industry originally though? Like, what was the jump from becoming a kid that just DJs like for fun into having people like celebrities like look at your stuff and want to work with you? So the the beginning of it was maybe uh, two thousand and one when um, a friend of mine was a promoter, and uh, this was like my early twenties, like not even early. I was like maybe twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, he was a promoter and he used to do getaways in uh, Puerto Rico, and he brought me out to Puerto Rico. He took a chance on me because he was just starting this getaway trip, and um, he used me for four years in a row, and every year the getaway got bigger, Memorial Day weekend. It got bigger and bigger, and as it got bigger, celebrities started partying with him. So, you know, instead of going to um, Mexico, they were going to Puerto Rico. It was like, you know, this is a vibe over here too. And um, pretty much... Like the fifth year, um, football players start coming, you know, celebrities, you know, athletes, like rappers, everybody. And then maybe the seventh year, he brought me back out and I had did uh, Idris Elba's birthday party out there. And when I did Idris Elba's birthday party, this was like maybe 07 or 08. Um, they were actually shooting a film. Columbus Short was there, Zoe Zaldana. A bunch of other actors, T.I., it was like a lot of people. And then that's where I met Ed Lover at that party. Mm-hmm. And um, DJ Envy was actually hosting while I was DJing. Oh, for real? That's cool. And then, ironically, DJ Self was out there at the same time. But he was with a different promoter on the other side of the island. But some, I don't know what happened with their party. They got shut down. It wasn't crowded. And he ended up in our party. And it was like him and Ed Lover at the end of the night, both, you know, asked me for my information. They were like, as soon as you get back to New York, um, let's link up. And I was like, all right, cool. So I gave them both my contacts and all that stuff. And then um, pretty much that's how, you know, I got in touch with them when I got back to New York. That's, that's such a cool story. Did you feel like, like, what did it feel like to have those people coming up to you and talking to you at that time? Um. Self, I already kind of knew Self from the club scene because I was already DJing in the city a lot. I was doing a lot of the like the nightclubs in the city. I wasn't a main attraction DJ, but I was very busy at the time. Mm-hmm. So he knew my name from that. Ed Lover, on the other hand, didn't know me from a hole in the wall. So he, it was it was like you know it was crazy because I grew up on Ed, 
and his assistant D Brown, which is my my boy. Like I'm I'm best friends with Ed to this day, and um, his assistant D Brown was like, uh, you know, we want to link with you, man. We we think you got a lot of talent, and that blew my mind. Like holy shit! Why do you think that was? Like, what do you think you do that like sticks out to people? Um, for me. Like, this is something that a good friend of mine told me years ago or anything. I say hello to everybody. But then when I get on set, I turn into a whole different person, you know? And then people are like, how do you turn that on like that? And I'm just like, I don't even know. It's like coming to work, really. Yeah. So, like, when you're you're not working and you're not being on the DJ set, how do you you prepare for those moments and, like, like those times that you got to go on stage, what do you do in your regular day life to kind of practice like your craft of being a DJ? To be honest, I really don't practice like as far as like DJing, but I do do a lot of homework. Like I study, the difference between me and a lot of DJs, a lot of DJs don't study markets. Yeah. I study, I study markets. So Mm -hmm. it's like when I go on the road with A Boogie or if I go to DJ, you know, in a, in a different region or a different state or city, I always look up what's popping in that city. Not yeah. necessarily to try to DJ like the DJs from that city, mm-hmm. but to give to give them a little bit of element of their city while giving them my style of DJing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, I sure. wouldn't play like a whole set of Dallas music if I'm in Dallas, but I would dip and dab in some of their classic stuff or some of the stuff that is popping there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not to alter my whole set or my whole way of DJing. So kind of just like knowing the culture of where you're at and everything is like is key to knowing right. what you're doing. Well, exactly. This is a question that I was definitely curious about when you when you were growing up. Did you want to become a DJ like as your professional job? And if you did, like, were people kind of against that because it's not the generic like lawyer doctor type of job? So. Honestly, it wasn't, it was. It never crossed my mind to take it as a full-time job because, you know, it really was a hobby and I just did it for the love. Yeah. But then as I, as I got older and I started doing these getaways and I did have a, I did have a job for 15 years mm. before I quit. I was at my one job for 15 years before I quit. And it was crazy because one day I like just quit out of nowhere for my two weeks and, but I did pray over it for like two years. Mm. And, um, the DJing became overwhelming because I, w- I was really that busy. And I was, like, taking days off to do the Wendy show and taking days off to go on the road with Ed or, you know, do other touring or other things. And then it just took away from my day job. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even happy here. Yeah. So, you know, I, I eventually had to quit because it was too much. So if, if there was a kid who was coming up in your shoes, like, say, your younger self, would you tell him to do the same thing, just do what you love and ignore people who are telling you not to do it or ignore, like, the regular job that doesn't make you happy? What would you say to somebody who's who's growing up loving DJing like you do? Um, like, it was, anything you do in life, I would tell anybody to um, really pray on it. Like, you know, pray on it and think about if that's something that you see yourself doing for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Yeah. And, um... You know, like, put God first and then pray on it. Is, is that really what you want to do? Because at the end of the day, it's not easy to be, you know, to take that leap. Sometimes, like, with this with this DJing thing, you're an entrepreneur. Like, even if you're just a DJ in the club, you're still working for yourself. Mm. So it's like, 
if you don't have a company or anything, you know, I was fortunate to be able to, to, to use it as a stepping stone to create other things. But, you know, if you don't see that far ahead, sometimes that might not be for you. Yeah. Sometimes it may be for you, you know, if you do want to take the leap and then as you go, you start seeing that there are other opportunities in this business to create, a, you know, a bigger business. Yeah, so do you, do you see yourself doing anything, like, outside of DJing now that you've, you've built yourself you built up to like this high stature as being a DJ for obviously like celebrities. Can you see yourself uh-huh. expanding as a DJ or even like outside of being a DJ, just trying to like build up your personal brand? Yeah. So like, as far as me outside of DJing, I've been doing a lot of stuff, uh, you know, quietly because I, I don't like the attention, like I said, and I do do a lot of things like on the side. I do a lot of like, um, giving back, to the community with this, this um, group called the Round Table, and mm-hmm. it's called the Round Table Experience. And we we throw parties together, but we also give a lot back to the community. Like we give a lot of clothing to the homeless people or less fortunate. We call it a drip drive. Mm-hmm. I also do turkey giveaways and food giveaways, like around Thanksgiving. Um, we do toy drives for like homeless shelters and stuff like that. As as far as the the turkey and stuff like that, we do all that stuff with those people as well. And then on the business side of it, um, I have ambassador deals with like Metro PCS, um, you know, different brands like urban brands and stuff like that. And then uh, I have a production company where I have an artist. He's uh, he's 18 years old. He's out of uh, Long Beach, California. His name is Koshi, K-O-S-H-I. He's 18 years old. Um, I've been developing him for like the last six, seven months. And uh, uh, my entertainment group is a production company. It's called Taj Group, T-T-A-J-J Group. And pretty much what we do is we develop artists and then present them to the record labels. That's that's cool. I like that. Uh, you got to get him on this podcast, man. The guy Koshi that you're talking about? Yeah, we're definitely going to do that. That's what I was going to you know, talk to you about after the call. For sure, man. Okay. Is, is it um, hard, though, sometimes? Because I know you say that... You like to stay under the radar, and uh, you're like a very humble guy. But it's got to be hard when you have friends that are such big celebrities and and personalities that people easily gravitate towards, and you just happen to always be like around the spotlight. Is that hard for you sometimes? Um, not really, because oh, you know, over the years, you get used to it. You get used to the attention. You get used to the trolling. You get used to people just being obnoxious, and then you just get used to people. Uh, you know that are starstruck when they do see the people you work with mm-hmm. and you're just hang- you're just hang- like i'm just hanging around like normal because it's like they're really just my friends yeah like i don't i don't really look at it outside of oh yo that's ed lover like in the beginning it was like damn i'm working with ed lover this is crazy yeah but then over time he always ed is such a humble person like a boogie is such a humble person like you know what i'm saying even wendy wendy's very down to earth what you yeah. see is what you get you know, being around them and over the years, you see that they're still human. So you get used to it. But, you know, for I, I can see how people from the outside in looking in, like, oh, my God, you're with this guy. But for me, like, I'm, I'm living in this life. So for me, it's like normal. Yeah. So I don't really I don't really see anything major about it. Yeah. But I do. I do understand, like, it does get crazy for certain people who, who don't have thick skin. Yeah. Even with people asking me, like, 
yo, when's A Boogie's new album dropping? You know how many times? Yeah, probably so many people ask you that, exactly. Oh, these, like, his fan base is so insane. They ask and DM, and if I go live on Instagram, they'll, like, they'll flood my comments. They want songs and shit, right? Everything, man. And And, that's where I think it gets frustrating. I think that's where it gets frustrating for someone like artists because he's probably a very humble person around you guys and his friends and even Mm -hmm. fans that just say, like, hey, can I get a picture? But when people are getting annoying and they're like, can you like drop a song? Like we need music when it, like those are the people that I think he rubs the wrong way. And then they're like, oh, he's an asshole. You know what I'm saying? Right. They, but, you know, his fan base is very young and very impatient. Yeah. And this generation, a lot of a lot of kids expect music to be out every month or yeah. every two months. It's not like before when people let an album breathe for a year. You know what I mean? And yeah. you on tour. And do this and the third. They want they want a new album every two three months. Like they don't care if it just came out. And yeah, I try to I try to explain that. I try to explain that on this podcast sometimes because people get so frustrated with like, oh, why is he not dropping? And I try to explain like, when a boogie dropped Artist 2.0, it was even kind of a little early then. But you guys wanted it so bad. Like hoodie season was still doing numbers at at the time that Artist 2.0 yeah, came out. Yeah, and it's and it's still doing numbers. Yeah, it's still it's doing numbers part. even now. But at some point, I'm sure he wants to get new music in there anyway. So that's why he does it. Right. So switching over right. into that, um, when you guys go on tour together, what is the preparation like before he gets on stage? You guys know the order of songs beforehand, or do you kind of just throw something on and he goes crazy on it? So this is the thing, like working with A Boogie, he is a younger artist. So uh, when I first started with him, he didn't really have show show experience like that to to develop his stage presence. So that's where I came in, and you know I helped him develop stage presence and call and response and how he performs and interacts with his fans. Excuse me. So before the show, um, when we first started, he would tell me what he wants to do like what songs he wants to do and stuff like that and then as as time went on like we started doing like the first tour and all that stuff mm-hmm. i started giving more input because of my experience and i'm like we should perform these records these are your biggest records and let's try to make your your, your performance a story yeah. like let's make it like and so the songs flow into each other so we have dialogue and like intermissions in between the songs so we could talk to the fans and blah 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 yeah and then for him, it started resonating. Like he started, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then as we would go to regions, I'm like, you know, this song streams way more than these songs that you want to perform. Like these songs are bigger songs. Yeah. And then as we went, he started understanding. Like, oh, I get it, I get it. And then you know, he would let me put the set list together and then give his input if he wants to switch one or two songs around or you know. And sometimes we would do that. And it wouldn't work, and then he would be like, "Nah, we gotta do it the way you had it." Yeah, and that's, so, I, I always say like, I think you guys as DJs and producers are so underrated because these artists come in so young. A lot of them come in; they're seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old, and you guys are a little bit older when they come in, and they they lean on you guys more than people. I guess give you guys credit for it. Does that something that cross your mind that you guys don't, you guys as DJs and producers don't really get the shine that the artists get? Does that ever bother you? Um, I don't really, I mean, I, I see how some, some people do get bothered by it, but being in the game so long, you kind of get used to it, but it depends who you work with as well. Like, I don't really need acknowledgement from the whole world. Yeah. Like, if, if Boogie appreciates what I'm doing, if Wendy appreciates what I'm doing, if Ed appreciates it, or like whoever I'm working with, if I'm doing, working with a promoter, or even just the people that I, 
that uh, support me. I wouldn't say fans. I, I say supporters. Like, the people that support me and come to party with me and enjoy themselves, as long as I'm satisfying them, I'm cool, man. Like, I get enough praise from the people that I'm directly in contact with. So, for me, it's cool. But I do see how DJs get frustrated because it is an underrated profession where they don't get the credit for a lot of things, even down to just breaking records anymore. Yeah. People think it's just, oh, it's just streaming. No, it's not really just streaming. Like, we still play music in the club, and people still come up to the DJ booth like, who was that? Or yeah. I actually see people shazamming in the club. Yeah. Like, I see oh, that all shoot. The, yeah, I see that all the time. What, rec- what record is that? Like, yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, it is frustrating to some DJs, and, you know, but like I said, I, I'm kind of used to it already. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, you know, I, I already know what, what it comes with. Yeah, for sure, man. Like when when you guys um when you guys go on tour though, does it does it ever become to the point where you're going back to back nights or three cities and four nights or something like that, and like nobody wants to really perform or anything? Does it ever get to that point sometimes? Um, <clears throat> I don't think it gets to that point where we don't want to perform, but we we are tired. Yeah. Like there are there are days where we're like. We did, we did like four or five nights in a row in different cities, and the drive in between was like eight, ten hours because mm. we're on a tour bus and all that. And kind of, it kind of adds up to, uh, you know, to being fatigued and all that stuff. But when we get to the stage or when we got to do the meet and greets and all that stuff, it adds up. And we like, damn, we're tired, we're tired, we're tired. But then when we get there, we just turn it on, like, all right, let's get to it. Yeah, and the reason why I asked that, like, at this time was because. You were just talking about your your fans or supporters. Um, do they motivate you to go on the stage, or is it more you want to impress yourself? Like when you go out there to be better than you were last time. It's a combination because I get a lot of people who who are you know they love the adrenaline rush when I do DJ so like regular parties, but then on tour, it's like his fan base sees what I just did to the city before. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we want we want to turn up that same way, or we want to be louder than that city. So it kind of like tests me to get them even crazier than the last city. So it's like, you know, it's a combination. And then same time, I want to be better than the day before. I'm like, damn, yesterday I had like a dry spot in my set, yeah. but I want to I want to fix that. I know what I could do next time or whatever, you know. Yeah. So like, I remember, I remember last year. I think it was you guys came. You guys came out to Long Island. That's where I live. Um, and, okay, yeah. And someone was saying, correct, correct me if I'm wrong with this story. I don't know if you remember, like, a lot of the concerts, but someone was saying, like, Boogie wouldn't come out until, like, the crowd got crazy enough or something, and he was waiting until, like, 1 in the morning, and they were saying how you carried, basically, like, the whole concert. Do you remember that night? Was it, was it in, uh, was it in a school? There was a big-ass fight at the at the concert, I think. I don't even remember. Nah. I, I can't remember. I, cause I just, well, it was, that was a lot of shows ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of shows ago. You guys were on Long Island. There was like a big fight and stuff. Because that's how I remember um, starting to follow you on social media. Was someone came up to me in school the next day. They were like, yo, A Boogie didn't come out until like 1 in the morning. His DJ just carried like the first half of the concert, bro. Like he was just doing his thing for like three hours. And I was like, who is this guy? And I obviously like followed it up. But yeah, you're, you're obviously very talented. Thanks, man. No problem, man. Appreciate and, that. And I, I definitely see your job becoming a lot easier with um with Artist 2.0 coming out because this is 
a lot more like concert and performing type of music. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we we actually uh, me and Boogie were on Facetime like a couple of days ago, and I was talking to him about which records we should start um, doing because we we just performed and um, we were in South Padre Island right before this pandemic hit. It was like a little over a month ago, and we like tested we test run the album to mm-hmm. see what songs we can do, and it, it did really well for the first performance with us without us actually having you know like done it yet. And that's like a weird market because it was like spring breakers from like weird places like all over like Alabama and shit like that. So, well, you you know what song you got to start with, right? When you come to New York, what what song? Let me hear this. <laughs> it, well, it's got to be Jungle if you're in New York, and it's got so? and it's got to be me and my guitar basically anywhere else. Yeah, well, because we when have, people we hear that first note, songs. we do have those songs in in the set list, but. We, I don't think we would ever start with Jungle. Really? Yeah, because that, that record is like a big record in, in New York. And it's like, we don't want to start the show off. That's the, another thing. We never want to start the show off too high. Yeah. And end up low. And end up going down instead of coming up. Yeah, I know what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. So All it's right. like, I had, to, I had to teach him that as well. I said, we have to have a buildup. We have to have a... A section for like album cuts or for the females, mm-hmm. like where you're where you're singing, because you know he sings and raps, and then we gotta end off with a fucking bang. Yeah, well, and he com- he completely gets it now. So yeah, I, he it probably took him a little while just because he was so young. I think people don't realize how young people yeah, are. Yeah, you know what's funny? Like it didn't really take that long because we did we did we did a TBA tour like like right after it came out, like a small small tour, and then. It was like once I explained the process, he was like, "Okay, I get it." And then we did um, "Made in America," and when we did "Made in America," he was just like, "Damn, yo, you was right." Yeah. And it just, you know, it it just went crazy from there. He started trusting me more and more and more and more. And then, you know, it's days where he can't make it to sound check. I'll go. I'll set everything up with our tour manager, brother Hassan, and our sound guys, Chris and Stalin. Mm-hmm. And I'll do the sound check. I'll set the set list up and all that. He could literally walk in right when he got to go to the stage, and and feel comfortable and not have to worry about nothing. Yeah, that's amazing. That's why I say you're underrated, bro. That's that's the biggest thing Thank for you, an man. artist. All right, man. So I got one last question. What's up? When we go when we go back on tour after quarantine is over, you know the first spot you're going, or you can't disclose on any of that stuff yet. Um, let me actually look right now. I will tell you. I'm going to look in the calendar, see if there's anything that, well, when is quarantine over? I don't know. Did anything, like, get canceled yet? Was he supposed to be on tour right now? Yeah, we we, we lost a bunch of shows for, like, just last month. Damn. Like, literally, a bunch of college shows. Um, We had, like, literally, like, a bunch of shows in a row that were canceled. But, uh, you know, the Deluxe album's supposed to be coming out soon. Yeah. So we have, you know, some some dates blocked out for that. But as far as I know, as far as any tours, like, solidified because of this thing, the only thing that's still on the calendar, like, not erased or could it, like, tentative next to it is the Europe tour. Okay. When's that? Yeah. Um, that starts in June. Yeah, that one's even going to be... I that... can tell you the actual dates. Uh, so June 27th, 
we start in Barcelona, Spain. Then we go to London for um, for a few days. Then we do Finland. Then we do Ireland. Then we go back to London. Then we go to Croatia. Then we go to Switzerland. And then we do Roland Lau, Portugal. Then we go to Germany. And then Amsterdam. And then back to the U.S. That's crazy. That's so crazy that they know his music out there so well. I see the I see and all the videos. It's they, insane, they know bro. It. It's insane. Like his like London his London love is just like New York. That's insane. It, and Canada too. Canada is like um like New York love. That's so crazy. Like why, why do you think why do you think that is? Bro. I don't know. I think I think it's like the the kids relate to him, man. Like it's the heartbreak. The yeah. stuff he raps about, like a lot of kids relate to it his age, so it's like that generation right now is just like everybody has boyfriends, girlfriends, or heartache or yeah. whatever it is, and it's like they relate to it, man. Yeah, man. Well, I, I actually have one last question. Now that you brought up the deluxe, I'm obviously not gonna ask you what day it's coming out or anything like that. But what yeah. do you have the story <laughs> do you have the story behind like um like why he's holding off? Like is there a reason why? Because a lot of people drop it like, within the next two weeks, does he have a story behind why he's holding off a little bit? Well, I know one 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 issue that I was having was the clearance of a sample. Which but one, this time? He, uh, there's a song he sampled, like a cadence. Yeah. And, you know, they, they have to clear it. Mm-hmm. And then um, he was still recording more music because he didn't want to do, like, a basic deluxe. Yeah. He, he wanted to do, like, a second album type of deluxe. Oh, for real? Because he literally has that much music done. I know, he probably has an insane amount of music done. Like, like absolutely insane, bro. Like, his work ethic is insane. That's why I, I be looking at rappers like, bro, how you tired? Like, this kid was in the studio yeah. for like 72 hours. Literally. That, you know what? Everyone says that about Juice, too. And everyone does say that about A Boogie. That's, like, why, him you, that, yeah. That's why him and Juice had like, such a dope bond like them dudes like really love what they do like exactly. you know god bless juice the soul we performed for him and his family at um rolling loud and in the um, on the west coast and we literally were not on the bill like they reached out to us herbo and bibby like you know his whole fam shot the g money and they were like yo would y'all do a tribute set and we was like fuck yeah, yeah we literally nothing, flew, flew out there performed and left yeah, that's that's love to do that. Just 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 for juice, like it was crazy, man. Yeah, man. I mean, you got a crazy work ethic too. You've been going crazy on Instagram Live this week. Why don't you, uh, Thank you man. tell everyone about your live and any parties you got coming up on live and your Instagram and everything like that? Yeah, well, um, look out for my Instagram at DJ Omanaya, um, DJ O M I N A Y A. Also follow my artist. Uh, his name is Koshi. At K O S H I E, we're dropping an EP in like a couple of weeks. His uh, debut EP, and um, he has a song out right now called Paranoia. You can stream it on all platforms. He's at like half a million streams combined across the platforms. Doing really good. Um, and then uh, as far as Instagram, I usually post when I'm gonna uh, go live because I like to make it like an event. Yeah. Because people look forward to it now. Because we're all quarantined or whatever, so I usually post it like the day of, like in the morning, and then I'll post it like an hour before. Yep. And uh, you can join in, man. You want to make a request or join the party, whatever. You're yeah, welcome I'll, to join in. 
I'll try to hop in next time, man. Yeah, no problem, man. I shot you out and all that stuff. Thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on, bro. Have a good one. No problem, man. Thanks for calling. Thanks for the call. All right, guys, that was DJ Omenaya. Um, Special shout-out to him. Thank you for coming on, man. Check him out on Instagram. He's been going crazy since quarantine started. He's been going live basically every night since uh, since the quarantine. He does live entertainment. A lot of people enjoy his shit, man. It's not just, it's not just uh, like a regular DJ. He puts on a party. Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram as well. That's where you get all the updates. Uh, tag people you want to see um, on the next podcast. Just tag them in all of our posts. Use our hashtag. Uh, send them the link to us and everything so we can get people on that you guys want to hear from. Um, the prize winners from last week's shirt contest, their shirts were just sent off today. And our next order drops May 1st, but you guys could pre-order right now. Uh, if you pre-order before April 15th, you get $5 off. Um, you guys want to make sure you get these shirts now because I'm not going to drop shirts again until the summer. So... Don't miss this drop. 